Hi everyone. And this week we are going to talk about my chosen topic, which is urban legends and myths. So, uh, urban legends and myths are contemporary legends, so they're a specific genre of folklore, which is information that's circulated as though it's true stories. Everyone will be aware of one of these because we talked about it in the pilot and it's the idea that quite often people will be like, oh my granny's pal or my pal's cousin or it's like a friend of a friend or a friend of a family member um, has passed on this apparently true information which quite often is completely unbelievable but lots of people seem to get on board with it and the idea of people believing in it tends to either be quite humorous or quite horrifying depending on what it is. Would you say that's a good a good summary of what we're looking yeah. at? Most of the urban myths that I was aware of is tend to play on your fears, like um, which I'll be talking about later, um, such as the classic one of looking in the mirror and repeating Bloody Mary five times, or um, the Candyman, <laughs> which is like based on the movie, um, or the fact that, that someone's in your home or there's someone following you, or plays on your fears like waking up in a bathtub and someone's taking your organs, things like that. Um, I don't know if I can think of humanist urban myths. Yeah, I, when I was kind of doing a bit of research as well, I, I wasn't finding anything that I thought was particularly comedic. I think it's... Well, actually... Some of them would make you laugh because people are so stupid. <laughs> unless, because there was everyone I was going to talk about, which I find funny, which is so unbelievable. It actually goes back quite far um, in history. Uh, is the the myth of the rock star that has <laughs> ingested so much semen that he has to have his stomach pumped, and uh, and then there was a rumor about Marilyn Manson about oh there was lots of rumors about different kind of people that were supposedly like young innocent kids in TV programs like the Marilyn Manson was in the kid the geeky kid from the Wonder Years. And it was like this geeky kid could grow up to become like a hedonistic rock star. I <laughs> those are humanist ones. Like I liked both of them because when we talked about well, when we talked about the semen one before, I found it quite entertaining that we'd both heard the story, but it was very different celebrities we'd heard it about. Um, and when I was younger, I did believe that the story I'd heard was true, and it was only when I got older I thought actually. <laughs> surely medically you can't ingest a dangerous amount of semen because it's just proof that would be like saying we had to rush this guy to hospital because he had nine chicken breasts (laughs) (laughs) 
And a good site that debunks all of the myths, which I think is quite good, is called Snopes, if you heard of Snopes.com. So you can look up any sort of myth and they'll tell you like the origin of it, um, where it first sort of the rumour sort of started and how it escalated and and they basically debunk it and tell you whether it's true or not. There's some other myths that are true. I I, I, I hadn't heard of Snopes before you suggested we look into this. And actually, even though I've looked at quite different urban myths from you, yeah, um, some of the information that I found that is the correct information was from Snopes. And I did find it interesting, as you're saying, that although everything I have looked at is an urban myth and is false, Snopes had information on where it was that the urban myth came from and where the basis in reality is. Because I suppose, like the story I heard about the... <laughs> consuming too much jizz um, <laughs> about welcome, which obviously isn't true but I suppose at some point in time somebody could have had their stomach pumped for consuming too much ejaculate again I don't really understand why you would have to but I mean how many blowjobs would it take to have to have your stomach pumped <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've watched some pornos where like <laughs> women do it a blow bang, but they're not getting taken to any after. Mind you, I don't think they're swallowing; they're getting it in their face, aren't they? And it's usually like <laughs> it's obviously the safer way to do it. And it's not even real; it's like chicken soup being blasted in their face. Same with the not with chicken soup being blasted in your face, but thinking about the Marilyn Manson one as well. The whole like he was in the Wonder Years. I believe that when I was younger, but what? I feel like what? that. Whoa. Because it didn't seem unreasonable. I think the thing is, obviously people made that up to be like, look how bad your youth can go. But being a massive fan of Marilyn Manson and not thinking that he's a bad human being. But see, we still had the Did you not think, I better look this up? Or you just blindly believed it? No, and again, that's obviously the problem with urban myths. But I feel like whenever, I mean, whenever I hear anything that sounds clearly false, I do then look it up and go, yeah, that was false. But I think... I can't remember who told me it. It was when we were younger and someone was basically like, oh, you like Marilyn Manson? Do you know he was that guy in the Wonder Years? To which I was just like, oh, no, I didn't know that because it doesn't seem like an insane thing to say. It'd be like now if somebody said, oh, you know Taylor Swift? Did you know she used to be in an American, like she was in, oh, what was that stupid American soap opera we used to watch? Oh, that was hilarious. Sunset Beach. Yes. If somebody said to me, did you know Taylor Smith? Taylor uh, Swift was in Sunset Beach when she was a small kid. I'd be like, oh no, I didn't know that because it just—it's not interesting enough for me to go away and research it. I'm like, all right, it's like it be a thing. But it's like, why go around telling people that? Is it, it? It seems to me that it's like, well, oh, well, you think Marilyn Manson's all edgy and stuff and like, you know, satanic and cool. Well, did you know he was just a geeky guy in the Wonder Years? But I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later, but what are you going to focus on? Because you're going to talk about specific urban myths, not me, mostly modern ones, but, well, I suppose in, in a way it is kind of modern. Yeah, most of the ones that I've looked at are modern, and what I decided that I was going to look at is urban myths that come from Christian fundamentalist or young earth creationist churches, partially because I feel like I studied young earth creationism a bit when I was at uni, which for anyone that doesn't know is a Christian cult. One of their leaders is this guy called Ken Ham, who describes himself as a Christian philosopher. He's full of spam. <laughs> he is full of spam. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, he's just um, some mad guy. But all of their beliefs, you know, kind of look at some of them, but every single belief basically is an urban myth because they have their their followers are growing year on year on year, especially in America, although they do have quite a growing following in Europe as well. And as you say, well, everything they claim you can easily debunk and it's well, it's much more insane than saying did you know Taylor Swift was in Sunset Beach? It's they're just stating things that are complete madness. So their main beliefs are that they believe that the Bible is a 100% factual document, which is obviously easily debunked because, well, as someone who has like studied the Bible, it is a known fact amongst all Christian scholars that the Bible was not written to be factual. So the idea that people wrote it as we know for a fact, as a bunch of teaching stories, but it's now suddenly factual, just doesn't follow any line of logic. They also believe that the Earth and the universe itself are around 6,000 years old and say that any evidence that points towards the Earth being over 4 billion years old or the universe being over 13 billion years old is false, which again, (laughs) well, is just complete nonsense. I mean... evidence for that Do they that claim up or is it just it says it in the bible there yeah i mean effectively there isn't really any the starting point is it says it in the bible ken ham's main piece of evidence so um for the age of the earth they laid out a five point evidence plan i mean it was all it's all complete nonsense it, i mean it's basically claims like carbon dating could be carried out by scientists who are influenced by satan or who just want to ridicule christianity therefore carbon dating could be false which when compared to all of the research into carbon dating seems like a bit of an insane claim and their main sort of fifth proof that they put in every single argument that they put forward is that the bible is the word of god therefore must be correct which you know isn't a very good argument. I think part of the issue with why so many people are turning towards this like form of fundamentalist Christianity is that a lot of people, as you were kind of saying before we started the podcast, in the age of the internet, where you can apparently research anything very quickly, a lot of people don't actually understand what research is. So there's a big issue with... When people talk about research, they mean a systematic investigation. So you're looking at a pre-existing study, you're looking at somebody else's pre-existing essay, you're looking at some sort of material, and you're putting it apart to try to establish what within that material is factual, and researching each claim in it in detail and looking at lots of other related articles to see if you can back up that it's factual, looking at the motivations of the author behind saying it. For example, if we look at Ken Ham, since becoming a leader in his church, he has become a multi-millionaire. So <laughs> there is arguably a bit of a motivation there for him to lie to people. So, on that, if you, I recommend there's a programme, well, there's a, a comedy uh, that Danny McBride has made with um, John Goodman, which I think you'll really like. It's called The Righteous Gemstones. And it is about a family like that, that are billionaires, basically, of off the back of these mega churches. And it just shows the hypocrisy of them all. I mean, funny. that sounds really good. I haven't even heard of that. And I love John Goodman. Yeah, I'll need to check that out. And yeah, it is that idea. Like, it is now, it is one of these American mega churches that he is a member, a leader of. And the leaders of this church 
are making billions of pounds every year from talking absolute rubbish. And I think the issue is as well, when people say they've researched things, if you're comparing your research into Ken Ham against your research into other people, the research into Ken Ham tends to just be, well, I read Ken Ham's article on this and he said, like, that's not research, that's reading. Well done on reading. It's a good skill, but you're not researching anything just by reading something that you know already backs up what you're saying. I think the other issue that people have as well is that they don't really understand what a scientific theory is. Creationism rejects evolution and it rejects the Big Bang. And part of what people float is that they say, well, a scientific theory, you know, it's not a fact. So a scientific theory is a fact to the best of our knowledge. It's being continuously researched and investigated, which means it's being continuously amended. So when scientists talk about having a theory, what they mean is this is something that, according to our research, is the closest thing to a fact we have at the moment. It is open to tweaks, but it's not open to be entirely changed. And I think quite a lot of people who are fundamentalist Christians see theories like evolution and the Big Bang as someone's view, and that just I not true. That they don't really, they're being given something so they don't have to think for themselves. Yeah. So it's easier for them to go about their lives. If there's someone who is um, a figure of authority, a cult leader, it is, I mean, it's like the same with these other cults. Like, like they will just, they just want, a, they want a paradigm, they want a simpler life. So they don't want to think for themselves. So they've got someone thinking for them, giving them sort of facts, like not facts, but like statements that sound reasonable or logic. So therefore they don't really need to think about it for themselves. Yeah, there's, I think it's in a BBC documentary, I'll see if I can find it, but I remember the quote because it's just such a strange quote that there's a family waiting to go into the museum um, that Ken Ham and his fellow preachers have set up where people pay large amounts of money to basically just go and look at nonsense that they've stuck up in a wall. And when they're interviewing a family outside, they say, well, why is it that you've converted to this religion? And the mum of the family says, I don't remember the quote exactly right, when we're talking about evolution and creationism is both they're both theories the difference is that creationism is a theory with a lot more fact to back it up i mean just again which is the issue with urban myths just as a statement isn't true and i think the reason that lots of people believe this or lots of people who are part of this creationist fundamentalist faith reject evolution is because of it's basically, I'd say it's like a combination of urban myths put forward by Ken Ham and those that he works with. So one of the things that they quite often talk about, and there's lots of articles that Ken Ham's written about it, um, on his website there's information about how basically we don't know if evolution's real or not because, and he says, even scientists agree there are missing links in the fossil record. And like you say, a lot of these urban myths are based in fact because, yeah, technically that is true. If you have a good knowledge of evolutionary biology, you'll be aware that there are gaps in the fossil record. However, the way that he's presenting it and the way that people, and I think that's fair to say that is a really commonly quoted urban myth, like lots of people who are fundamentalists say, well, we don't know if there, if fossil show us anything because of the gaps, but the gaps are few and far between. And actually where the gaps fall, if you just look at human evolution, for example, we know, like we can trace our common ancestors back many, many generations and many, many species. You're going back a lot of jumps before you get to there being a gap. So even if the gap indicates, as they're implying, 
that some sort of all-powerful being just magically created the creatures on Earth, it doesn't mean that that being created us, like humans as we are just now, it means that that being created one of our common ape-like ancestors that evolved into something else, that evolved into something else, that evolved into something else, and so on until it eventually evolved into us. Yeah, and um, on that, have you heard of the banana argument? No, I don't think so. So I remember years ago when I used to go on this internet forum, it was like slagging off celebrities, there was um, a guy who used to be on a sitcom in America called Growing Pains called Kirk Cameron, and mm -hmm. um, Michael J. Fox was on that as well. But he was sort of like a teen idol then, but then he grew up to be like a creation, like creationist, fundamentalist Christian. And he went on a YouTube with this guy called Ray Comfort, who claimed that the banana was an atheist's nightmare because of <laughs> And the reason why he said it was an atheist nightmare is because he argued that it was the banana is like proof of intelligent or irrefutable proof of intelligent design. Um, and he said that the argument for being designed is based on the following characteristics. The banana is shaped to fit into the human hand. <laughs> it comes with a protective non-slip surface to hold which is also biodegradable and sits gracefully over the human hand it is curved towards the face for ease of consumption and does not squirt in one's face during the act <laughs> there is a pull tab at the top for easy access it has a simple <laughs> colour code to show rightness Green, too early, yellow, just right, black, too late. Ironically, this is after I'm reading this, ironically, these features do point to an intelligent designer, but certainly isn't God, because, as we know, if you look into the banana, the banana that we use, that we eat now, has been intelligently designed by humans, because the actual banana, before it was genetically engineered to be easier to eat, didn't look anything like the banana that we have today. That actually brings me on to one of the other, um, like, sort of most popular or oldest um, fundamentalist Christian myths, because there's also this myth that Charles Darwin rejected his own research on his deathbed because he said that basically it was fabricated. And yeah, exactly as you say, we, we can see that natural selection happens in nature but the reason we can understand how it happens successfully is because of artificial selection because yeah we've got bananas we've got dairy cows we've got all of these plants and animals that we as humans have applied pressures to to make which is all evidence to back up darwin's theory that exactly. pressures in nature make new animals yeah because the bananas were genetically engineered to they were genetically bred to look the way that they look now, like carrots weren't originally orange. We did that. Humans did that. Not yeah. God didn't just plant orange carrots and yellow bananas everywhere. It was us that genetically engineered them over time. But they don't want to look in. But I honestly think that it's well for ignorance as well. I don't. I don't think this Ken Ham guy genuinely believes the shit that he preaches, which is where I think they're just extremely hypocritical. He comes from Australia. Yeah. I mean, if anything, that's like a whole continent that proves about the theory of evolution. Yeah, I think as well, because there's such a big fundamentalist Christian 
following in America, it's interesting that he like left Australia because I'm not saying there aren't fundamentalist Christians in Australia, but I think a lot of Australians would call him on his bullshit. Yeah. Like, pick up a duckbill platypus and fucking throw it at him and be like, right, does that not exist then, pal? But it's interesting that um, that it, it seems to be America that have the majority of these kind of crazy people that you know build these mega churches. What is it about the mentality of Americans that that, that tend to believe that? Obviously, he's. I think he's moved to America because he's seen the dollar signs and thought I can make shitloads of money out of the ignorance of these dumb dumb people <laughs> that will believe any old shit that I peddle them. I think you're right. I think the fact that it's rapidly increasing in the number of followers that fundamentalist Christianity has in America and to be honest it is slowly growing in Britain but if you look at that and compare it to the amount of people in America that support Donald Trump and the amount of people in Britain that support Boris Johnson I mean yeah there does seem to arguably be a comparison to be drawn there because I I, I don't think it's a controversial statement to say not okay I don't get the last time Trump was voted into office, I don't get the people who say, well, basically we voted him into office for a laugh because I'm like, ha, 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 ha. As a queer person, I find that hilarious. I really fucking like homophobes. I'm sure that anyone who is any minority group would agree. Like, yeah, funny joke, straight white guy, bravo. But that doesn't fall on the majority of people. Actually, most people were voting him into office because they agree with him. And most people that support Boris Johnson in Britain support him because they agree with him. And both of them are clearly stupid. Both of them clearly do not know what they're talking about. So, yeah, we have a growing population in both countries that vote for somebody who is clearly an idiot, which implies that you're an idiot. Why would you want to vote for someone who can't do their job? It's just people mindlessly following other people. It's like the royal family. Like we're supposed to respect them because they are the royal family. But then you've got people like Prince Andrew, who are clearly fucking nonces that go around hanging around with questionable people like Jeffrey Epstein and then deny it and then say things like crazy shit like I don't sweat in defence of it. And oh no, but you've got to respect them because of the royal family. They they're above the law apparently. But just because someone went to Eton doesn't mean that they're smart and you should respect it's like a class thing I don't know it's just weird it's like people should people should question more getting back to you what are some crazy examples of like urban myths in the fundamentalist Christian well actually it it does kind of like because what I was wanting to look at now is the the examples that I think can be quite um dangerous Because my big issue with these fundamentalist Christian urban myths is that they're often linked to what Boris Johnson does, what Donald Trump does, the vilification of other groups, uh, which I would argue is a lot more dangerous than trying to make other people stupid. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think education is very important and we shouldn't be trying to make children stupid. I think making children... But they won't, won't they? Was it someone who tried to go into your school and preach... And, and tell them about creationism and you were like, no, you're not coming in. But at the same time, do we need to censor these people? Surely, maybe you should have let them come in and then afterwards told them why, like gave them an alternative point of view. Because it will really, they are, I, I agree with the people's rights to freedom of speech, but I don't think you should censor them either because if you don't hear the madness of other people's arguments, 
then how can you debunk it? People will believe it more. I think it's... It depends on which way they're presenting it. It was my previous school, but it was very similar. Do you remember when we were at school and one of the deputies who was a fundamentalist Christian organised for that fundamentalist Christian group to to basically come brainwashes? And um, Mrs Bell, our favourite teacher, um, was sort of spoke to us at the time about how uncomfortable she was with that being presented as part of the RMPS department that they were inviting a guest speaker in and really brainwashing children and having a guest speaker isn't the same thing. And yet, what you're saying, it was a similar story at the school that I worked in before I was in now. And actually, we had two separate things organised. So um, DJ, who's a guy that was my PT when I worked there, really, really good at his job. Um, in fact, continues to be really good at his job. He just has a different job now. He he organised a thing that was like a... It's exactly what you're saying. It was a sort of free speech, ask questions. It was with her fifth and sixth years and people from different church groups, um, different mosques, uh, people who represented different atheist groups came into the school and kind of presented their piece and the kids and the other members of the panel were allowed to ask them questions. And it was all kind of like healthy debate. Whereas the thing that I took issue with in my previous school was exactly as you're saying, that there was a local fundamentalist Christian group and their request was that they come into the school, meet with each of the first year classes because mm, they're young and about why why their belief is correct and they wanted a teacher there to observe but not join in. Yeah, because they don't want you button in saying actually if you think about it this way, then yeah. what they're is, you know, And I refuse to take part in it because yeah, I'm like I'm not standing around watching people brainwash children. That's dangerous. And like you say, hearing other people's opinions is good, having healthy debate is good. Just being like yeah. here and I will tell you why my entire belief system based around urban myths is correct. Not so good. Remember back in when we were in that RA class and uh, we were we were told we were going to go to some sort of conference thing or an expo on and what I thought was going to be all different types of religions. But then to my horror when we got there, it just turned out to be all Christianity, like yeah. all actual like just crazy Christians try to recruit people and I got really pissed off every time and there was one that was about science and Christianity and even then what they were saying was complete nonsense and I kept piping up saying well actually no I think what you're saying is wrong given an alternative view one of them one of the classes was clearly homophobic you know it was like preaching about how you know men and women should be together and and that um and I had to point out so what you're saying is that if you're gay then you're you're going to hell and you're more sinful and People kept turning around and it wasn't a healthy debate at all. I felt like I was just the only one there that was saying anything different. And then they kept looking at me like I was Satan himself. <laughs> to the point where I wrote on my, I just I just couldn't care anymore. I just wrote on my name badge, I love Satan. Just to get a reaction. <laughs> and it ended up that there was teachers, teachers who were there that were telling me off for saying, for questioning these people. I th- to be honest, though, that was my issue as well with the previous school I was in when they had this, again, just this one group come in. It was made quite clear that the teacher who was there to accompany was basically there to kind of hush the children. And I thought, not even a thought, actually, I'm sure I said to you at the time, one of the um, boys who was in, was he in? He was in S5 at the time. It uh, sort of come to my room and basically kicked off and been like, I mean, it's an absolute fucking joke. They shouldn't be coming in to brainwash children. Like, I can't believe you're allowing this. And I was like, I mean, I agree with you. It's an absolute joke because he was 
entirely correct. Like, you should not be coming into schools to brainwash children. Yeah, they used to come in and um, they would they would start off by trying to lure us into it by saying, oh, come to this fun kind of camp, you know, like summer camp thing. I remember me and my friends were like, no, this looks really good. But then when we looked right, at, we looked into it more, it was just a Christian recruiting camp. So yeah. I was like, well, fuck that. I'm not, I was raging. <laughs> but there was people who genuinely wanted to go to it. And I think they prey on the young, they prey on people who aren't going to question them. So... It is very much the, yeah, it's easier to prey on people who are less likely to question you because if you're doing the urban myth spreading of, did you know, and then talking absolute rubbish, like the Charles Darwin thing, one of the things that they used, or they use still as a proof that Charles Darwin in the end rejected evolution is, do you know uh, Darwin's close friend, two seconds, I noted her name down here, which isn't her actual name either. Elizabeth Cotton was with him on his deathbed and he said that he regretted all the lies that he'd spread. Yeah. yeah, and his daughter, who was actually with him on his deathbed, uh, said in an interview in 1922, she said, I was present at his death. This woman, whose nickname was Lady Hope, she said, Lady Hope was not. She did not visit him when he was ill. And I believe that although she did visit the house before, she didn't actually see him on any of her visits. <laughs> yeah, if you are. If you're 12 and, and an adult standing on a stage saying, did you know that Charles Darwin's close friend said this, which he told her on his deathbed, you're not going to go, well, I mean, that seems unlikely because you're 12. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is the, the danger. Yeah, because when I was in primary school, the teacher, the first teacher I ever had made us all stand up every morning and say the Lord's Prayer. Every morning. And then it went on and on. And then you go to assemblies and you're told to sit and pay attention and read out Bible verses and things like that. But I didn't have, nobody has a choice in the matter. So it's like you're being conditioned to respect authority and believe whatever is being told to you by your superiors, your teachers, where yeah. you're not given an alternative point of view. Um, so I, I totally think that, you know, church and state should be completely separate. The issue is, though, church and state, well, in non-denominational schools anyway, are completely separate. And I think that's an issue that I've come up against quite a lot in my career, teaching, well, religion, philosophy and ethics, but obviously the teaching religion bit is the problem because, yeah, quite often people will say, well, X group wants to come in and you need to work with that group because that's part of your job, to which they don't really realise that, no, it's not. The Scottish government has been quite clear that in a non-denominational school, there is no compulsion for religious observance. So anytime that anyone gets that in their school, it's because they're the head of that school or their particular teacher has chosen to do that. Oh, and they're really? really supposed to be doing it. So when we were in, I don't know about your primary school, but my primary school was very, a lot of Christian stuff. Like we were told to, to sing hymns, read Bible verses, say the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it wasn't Catholic, it was Protestant, I guess. Yeah. It was just Scotland. But um, that's, you know, well, we were told we weren't given any alternatives. In fact, if you weren't Christian, you were told to leave the... Um, no, I went to, so I went to a non-denominational primary school, but not far from yours. But um, our head teacher, Miss Urban, was lovely. And uh, she is... Urban. Urban. Like, absolutely loved her. She is a, she's uh, a member of a Christian group. 
Um, but no, she she did teach us some hymns, but they were um, very sort of upbeat, evangelical, happy, happy hymns. But that was because she taught us music. But she also had... Do you remember David Cowie that we went to? Yeah. Yeah, so her mum used to come in and teach us about other religions. So yeah. Yeah. we would have, like, maybe a block where Miss Irvin would teach us about Christianity. And then... I, don't, I don't think her name was Mrs. Cowie, though. Can't remember her name. She was a lovely woman. Um, she came in and she taught us about, like, we did a block with her on Islam. We did a block with her on Sikhism. So, you know, my, my primary was really good. And I actually think that's probably what got me interested in theology because my primary gave a really balanced view. And then I went to secondary and we had Mrs. Bell and she gave a really balanced view. So I think it's important that, as you say, you're given all the information for healthy debate rather than just being told this is what you should believe. Because I thought when I started secondary school, all of that, you know, Christian reading from the Bible and things like that would stop. But we still had assemblies in secondary school where we would have, what was the name of that guy who looked like Ned Flanders? I can't remember his name, but I know who you mean. Everyone, there was was an urban myth about him that went around school, but how he was actually like, homosexual but he had a wife and a sports car. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> I like but he had a wife and a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike most homosexuals he had a sports car. But he was always like talking about Jesus and Christian stuff and he, he brought in these people that were trying to lure, like get us to go to these summer camps and things but they never brought any alternatives in and I thought all that bullshit would stop. So you saying that that was a choice of the headmaster, it wasn't the Scottish government at the time but then it wasn't the SM, I don't know who was, I don't even think we had it evolved. When, no, no, I don't when, think when we, when we started secondary we wouldn't have had a devolved government, no. Oh God. So what is the most insane urban myth that you found out about these and these creation of things? Okay, so I mean, I have a wad of them. I feel like the first one that I want to start with is um, an urban myth to do with um, the Columbine massacre. So there was an urban myth that came out of the Columbine massacre, which was that the shooters carried out the massacre in the name of atheism which even as a statement is very confusing, like I'm doing this for atheism. And part of this came from, so the the myth was when student Cassie Bernal was asked by Eric Harris, one of the shooters, do you believe in God? And she replied, yes. And normally when it's put in print, it's yes with an exclamation mark. So she was apparently very excited about her love of Jesus, which seems odd to say the least when somebody has a gun in your face. Um, he then immediately shot her and that there was an implication in that, that part of the reason they were shooting people is they were specifically targeting people that believed in God. This was reported on by multiple different media groups, and it was written about in a number of different newspapers and actually in books, but it isn't true. Um, Although Cassie was killed in the massacre, there was nobody that actually witnessed her killing. So effectively, the statement came from nowhere. It was just a... A reporter decided that that's what this girl had said and reported that and then it spread and was reported in on TV by multiple different news channels. It was reported in multiple different papers. Sorry, I missed what you said there, Leslie. No, I just said it's it's just like another way for them to demonise them, to to justify why they did that. But the, the fact is that these boys just did that because they were fucking 
I don't know, they just didn't care. They just wanted to go and shoot people. They, they were psychologically damaged. Yeah, and I get that's... No, I'm just saying that. I just think that there was a number of factors. So they, they're trying to find a black and white answer for why these boys did that, but they don't look to themselves that they might be the problem, partly. Yeah, I think that's part of the danger. What would be what you would hope people did in a situation like that is look at gun control, look yeah. at mental health systems set up to support teenagers, and look at the way yeah. that things were being pushed in certain school systems, rather than to say it's because atheists are bad. When actually, do with atheism. <laughs> Sorry. It's always like someone else's fault. It's not. It's not. It's like. Marilyn Manson um, influenced them. They listened to him. They wore dark clothes. I got a lot of shit in school for, for being a goth and listening to Marilyn Manson. In fact, people spread rumours about me. They said that I've made voodoo dolls. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a reputation. I'm laughing because before we started hanging about, I remember, again, it's similar to the, do you know that little boy grew up to Marilyn Manson, that someone did say to me, do you know that she makes voodoo dolls and she's a witch? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I that's that other interesting information. I know how that started because I was, I was get, I mean, I was interested. Obviously, I still am. I'm interested in like sort of paranormal, and uh, I was interested in parapsychology. So I was looking into witchcraft at the time, and I used to walk this girl home. I'm not going to name her, but uh, I used to walk her home every day, and I would just casually mention that I was looking into like sort of witchcraft, and I mentioned that um, I found what I found interested was the, the word poppet that they used to get like make a poppet which is like a doll they would take someone's hair which is similar to sort of like a voodoo doll mm -hmm. and I said oh I think that's quite interesting that they, they get people's hair and things like that and make it into a poppet to control that other person or influence them or make them fall in love with them or use it for ill gains or for like I don't know anything and they used to like bury them in the ground and and then she took that as I make them I'm and then and then twisted it into that I make voodoo dolls of people <laughs> and I was a witch and then she went and spread it or she must have told that to someone someone in school and then they told their friend and blah 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 and then all of a sudden I'm the voodoo witch queen of Duncan Rook. <laughs> Which again, fine title. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean in terms of rumours about someone, it's pretty badass, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, again, when obviously when I was told that, I didn't think, right, she actually has voodoo powers because, again, I'm not stupid. <laughs> Whereas I think quite a lot of people were like, she has voodoo powers. But I was also like, I mean, that's cool. She's interested in voodoo. <laughs> like, tick box, yes. That, something to look for in a friend. I, I think that's kind of the issue with urban myths and especially with these kind of Christian ones is, yeah, the othering of people. Like somebody wanting to bully you, so saying like you are involved in this thing or not somebody wanting to bully the Columbine shooters, um, but somebody wanting to, yeah, to, to point the finger away from poor school systems, poor support for mental health and to point it towards, ooh, they're atheists. And I think, yeah, quite a lot of the, part of the reason that I decided to do this is because when you mentioned it, my thoughts kind of turned to the fact that I used to work for like basically I had a, a government job before I went into teaching and then now working in education I've had a billion in us sort of them and us sorry a billion in us a billion and one them and us Christian urban myths um that I know were fake and I've looked at some of them and kind of unpacked them in a bit of detail 
but the sort of first ones that popped to mind were, which I'm sure you will have heard of and everyone in Britain will have heard of. So pretty much every year when I worked for HMRC, I was told every single Christmas by someone, did I know that at HMRC they'd been instructed to take down all of the Christmas decorations because, and the because kind of varied, but it was generally because the Muslims that work there are really offended by it. And I'm like, right. I mean, I just came downstairs from my office at HMRC. The HMRC have paid to have decorated with loads of tinsel and we have a massive Christmas tree in the middle of the room. And on top of that, Muslims believe in Jesus. So are generally offended by the idea of the existence of Jesus. So, what? But like I'd say that as a modern Christian urban myth. Like I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've also heard, uh, I mean, really often since working in schools, I probably hear this at least once once a month. Um, that, and I'm sure you've heard this as well. That schools are not allowed to call blackboards blackboards anymore because black <laughs> people are offended by it. But we've got whiteboards. Yes, I don't know how often I've been told that by parents pupils just random people and i find it especially entertaining when a pupil points it out because i'm standing like i don't have a blackboard in my room i have a whiteboard in my room it's called that because it is white yeah and <laughs> i'm like but this is not called a blackboard because black people were upset this is not called a blackboard because it's white and i decided to look into it in a wee bit more detail and i found that um there have been a grand total in the whole of british history of zero complaints made by anyone who identifies as black about blackboards to either the police or any education authority. And also, like, what about the, the nursery rhyme, Baba Black Sheep? Have you oh. any? That's the one I was actually wanting to look at in more detail. So when I looked at that, I realised that both of the things that I've just explained to you have both been reported by, in fact, you can get a, a gold star, Leslie, if you can guess which British newspaper both of those things were reported on, even though neither of them are based in fact. Um, it's either the Sun or the Daily Mail. It is the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Daily Mail have also reported on the Baba Black Sheep thing, um, so or Baba Rainbow Sheep as well. So this story's been featured in the Daily Mail. It's actually been featured in the Daily Mail several times. There's two versions of the story. There's the older version of the story, which is that black people living in Britain have demanded that schools stop children singing Baba Black Sheep because it is racist, which then over time changed into they had asked schools to start singing Baba Rainbow Sheep, which then over time changed into LGBT groups <laughs> in Britain have demanded that primary children sing Baba Rainbow Sheep instead of Baba Black Sheep in order to respect the LGBTQ community. That's insane, because like, you don't get, unless you, <laughs> you don't get rainbow sheep. You don't get rainbow sheep. No, again, looking into it, so in, in fact, I partially researched this uh, through, was it Snoke.com that you said it's called? Yeah. So I found quite a lot of information on this on there. Um, yeah, as you quite rightly pointed out, you don't get rainbow sheep. You do get sheep that are black. Sheep that are black are rarer than sheep that are white, hence why this all makes sense. Um, You're not going to think that a black sheep is racist. That's been put on you by society. That's adults that are telling you that. Yeah. But if I was a kid and I just sang that song, I just take it, it's a black sheep. I'm not going to look into it any more than that. 
But what I thought was really interesting is that, and it goes back to what you're saying, that a lot of these urban myths have their roots in truth. Actually, there have been three historical drives to ban Baba Black Sheep for exactly the reasons we've just discussed. <laughs> of course. So, and in 1986, the song Baba Black Sheep was rewritten by two ladies who I would like to know were both white. Um, and they said that the reason they had rewritten it was because of its, and this is a quote, racial dubiousness. <laughs> um, both of these ladies worked in a private nursery. They got the kids to start singing a different version of the song in the private nursery they worked in. It was not rolled out anywhere else. There was no government policy made on it. And again, it seems that no people who identify, in fact, not even no people who identify as anything but white, no people other than these two white middle class ladies in a nursery had ever complained about the song. There, there were no people who were racially anything but white that were complaining about the racial dubiousness of the song Baba Black Sheep. Then, if we jump forward to 1999 there was a similar incident. So a majority white working group whose job was to look at racism and children's educational resources mm -hmm. submitted their reservations about the song Baba Black Sheep to Birmingham City Council. The, again, majority, overwhelming majority white working group suggested that because uh, the song was racially insensitive, the, the song should be changed to Baba Happy Sheep have you any will. Uh, Birmingham Council opted not to implement this advice because they thought it was stupid. <laughs> but then there are black sheep that uh, exist, so what are we going to do? Go around spraying them white? I don't Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it doesn't mean, it's just putting stupid political shit on things that, that's not necessary. It's like, we're in a pandemic at the moment, are we supposed to stop singing Ring a Ring of Roses? I think with the whole Baba Black Sheep thing and the Blackboard thing, it's very much, uh, and I think the other two that I'm going to look at are equally, if not slightly more serious versions of that in an urban myth. It's clearly urban myths being made up by people who are racist and then being spread rapidly because of your Tory voters, your Trump voters, your whoever, that just want to hang on to this idea of, can you believe that this is how much people want to change our society? What is actually, yeah, as you point out, if you take a second to think about it, well, no, of course, no people who are black or have black ancestry are going to kick off about a song describing an animal's actual colour or describing the colour of a board. It's completely nonsensical. Um, yeah. Changing like Christmas fest, like Christmas to winter festival, like you mentioned earlier. I've never seen anyone refer to Christmas as winter festival ever. That's something in the news reports. Yeah, I, I actually am. Um, that, that's the next thing I'm going to move on to. It's like you're psychic. I <laughs> um, just want to look at that. I did want to mention. Sorry. I have voodoo powers, remember? You do. You are the voodoo queen of Duncan Rick. Um, <laughs> Just before I move on to that, I did want to say that there was a third incident, which was in 2006, which did appear in several newspapers. Although it didn't report who it was coming from, the report said that the song Baba Black Sheep has had to be altered throughout Britain due to the perceived offence to people of colour. 
But if you look at what actually happened in 2006, it's which is quite scary. <laughs> I think it's weird that like the same thing keeps happening. It was basically the exact same event again. So two white ladies who worked in two different private <laughs> nurses in Oxfordshire, right? So again, same situation, had contacted each other because both of them had had their first non-white child enroll at their nursery. And they decided that they had to rewrite Baba Black Sheep because they were worried about getting children to sing it in case it upset the child that had joined the nursery. That reminds me of that episode of South Park where they were taking the piss out of World War Z because instead of the, the people turning into zombies, it was the black anger. And he, he was like, you can't get the, the black people angry. And he was on the plane. And he's like, there's a, there's, a, there's a black person getting upset. Oh, my God, we need to crash the plane out or they're going to come and get us. Yeah, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, that is fair satire because that's, that is exactly what it is. It's too, and weirdly, it's two stupid white middle class <laughs> English women all three times in history that have met up and gone like, oh my God, what if we make somebody that isn't white upset and they in some way destroy our lives? Like, shut up. <laughs> Which is also quite racist because they're implying that, you know, if you upset people that aren't white, that they're going to get aggressive and attack you. <laughs> yeah, it's complete lunacy. Now... I now can't find my notes on, uh, yeah, Winterville, which you were talking about. So, yeah, there was a whole urban myth surrounding Winterville, which, yeah, is very, very similar. It's the whole idea of, um, now I've got this article on it, and I'm actually just going to read a chunk of the article to you, um, because I, I think they put it really, really well. And now that we've actually um, got an Instagram, um which I've set up, but currently has nothing on it. I will give the link at the end so that I can obviously put this on it and people can have a look at the article because it is a really informative article. But the writer points out that every Christmas, I mean, since probably before you and I were born, we hear the story of a local council that's rebranded their Christmas event, Winterville, uh, and it's like this, and it's because of political correctness gone mad, and they do not like it. Um, The identity of the they varies by who's telling it, and it depends on which group they feel like attacking. Quite often nowadays, the they that want it changed are Muslims, which again is nonsensical because Muslims believe in Jesus. But as well as Muslims being frequently targeted, there are versions of the story that exist where Jews have demanded we change it to Winterval, uh, where different uh, and varying ethnic and cultural minority groups have demanded that we change it to Winterval, or where smug atheist lefties have demanded we change it to Winterval. Oh, don't leave me out. <laughs> However, in well over a decade of public debate on the issue, there have actually been no instances of this ever happening. Again, despite the fact that it has been reported in the Daily Mail. The fact is that in the Daily Sorry. I hate Christmas, right? I would rather it just fucked off forever. But I don't care what you call it. I mean... I know it's like called Christmas and essentially it's a lot of bullshit because Jesus wasn't born on 25th December. It's actually the um, the Christians basically changing it to suit themselves and um, changing this the traditional pagan tradition of Saturnalia to their own culture and um, religion. So I know the myths behind it. So it doesn't really mean shit to me. Um, I couldn't care less whether it was called Chris, um, like Christmas, Winterville, anything. It's just a time of the year that I hate. 
<laughs> I just have to put up with. I'm not going to demand it changes. I mean, I think, again, for, like, moderate Christians, they would probably not agree with you about hating Christmas, but I agree with you about name. Like, I do not think, like, my mum, as you're aware, is Christian, and as you're aware, is a, like, liberal Christian. I uh -huh. couldn't imagine for a second my mum being, like, they've called the Christmas, like, nativity the Winter Val area. No! <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think she'd care. I think she'd be like, do you want to go down to the Winter Val area and then explain what it is? I don't get why it would be a big deal. But then the issue on top of that, as this article says, is that it's never actually happened. Like you say, again, it is based in some reality. So in 1999, Birmingham City Council had several winter festivals, uh, combining a number of different religious and secular events over the period of a few months. So all their different winter festivals were for the different religious and non-religious communities that lived in Birmingham. And somebody who worked for Birmingham City Council suggested that they call all of the events running from the beginning of November until the end of February the Winter Val events because he thought, well, that's quite a, a catchy title. But this never happened because rumour immediately spread that, again, they, whoever they happened to be, had demanded that the council change the name of Christmas to Winter Val. And for that reason... Council said, right, well, we're not calling it that because basically racists are using it as a reason to be racist. Right, yeah, so it sent, it, basically what it was was a guy in the council who decided to come up with a nice marketing campaign for his Christmas events. Yeah. And then they just took that and turned it into a racist agenda or yes. an anti-Christian agenda. I quite like the idea of calling it Winterfell anyway. It yeah. Everything. I mean, I also like the idea of a four-month-long festival that all about them do you know what i mean yeah like i quite like the idea of going down to winterval you can get your mulled wine there's a different yeah. group having the religious festival there you can watch it learn a bit of stuff like that sounds lovely but but sadly there are to be you know future wintervals and also more importantly again debunking the urban myth there has never in the history of time been a winterval <laughs> even though people complain about it every single year it comes down to fear of science logic because it threatens their doctrine that they yeah. know. They're trying to justify things that they've previously said you have, you cannot question. It's. I feel like they're effectively saying again, if we take it from the like anti-Muslim stance, it's basically people trying to excuse their Islamophobia by implying like, well, <laughs> almost as though they're five, they started it, like. Well, okay, yeah, I don't like Muslims, but you know what? They tried to ban Christmas decorations and <laughs> weigh the nativity. And it's like, well, one, they didn't. And two, even if for some strange reason a group of Muslim people did decide that they didn't like Christmas decorations, it's not really a reason to persecute them, is it? There's quite a big jump from A to B there. Right. How many Muslims do you see going about like Buchanan Street in Glasgow on their soapboxes shouting at people that they should become Muslim. I've not seen any. But I've I mean, yeah, none, not even in Buchanan Street. I mean, I live in a tiny rural area and in the time, and to be fair, I've lived here a while now, but in the time that I've lived here, there have been at least four people standing in the main square screaming at, because children from school pointed it out to me, and I was like, yes, yes, I saw them, screaming at children that I teach that they're all going to burn in hell because they're bad Christians. <laughs> Never had anybody Muslim shout anything offensive at any child I've ever taught. 
And again, I think that's the thing. Like all of these are, they're fundamentalist Christian issues. The majority of Christians I know are perfectly reasonable, perfectly nice people who are happy to get along with everyone and are exactly the same amount of nice as Muslims and Sikhs and Jews and atheists. The issue is these extreme groups, which sadly are growing and growing, yeah, using urban myths to to turn people against their neighbours in order to meet their own agenda. The speak the Muslims, right? Um, back, you know, after nine eleven happened and all of that, there was a rumour that was a there was a myth that was going around, or like a rumour that was going around that if you were on a bus, like the same. My friend actually told me this. She said that she was on the bus and that she seen like a, a headline on a paper saying get off the bus and then someone because and she looked around and there was a muslim on it with a, a backpack and she got <laughs> off the bus. or there's the other one where you're straight and you get stopped you, you help out um a muslim guy with a backpack and then he goes oh hold on a second because you helped me um here's a tip don't go to such and such place or your football ground on this day, as in it's going to get blown up. That was going out as well. I mean, again, it's dangerous in how racist it is, but it's also just stupid. Like, how dumb would you have to be to believe for a second that that's based in reality? I know, but people believed it was true that that actually happened. And then... Do you know what pisses me off as well about urban myth, how urban myths get spread? Is people who share dumb shit like that on Facebook, like, oh, there was a van going around um, and the man got out and he spoke to my child. Please share this, be vigilant. And it's like, where's the evidence for any of that? You've just posted and blindly shared that on yeah. Facebook. You're right, that didn't even occur to me, but actually I, I had a rant to my brother not long ago about, and to be fair, if they listen to this, they will know who they are because they'll be aware that they shared it. But I've had several people on my Facebook feed that are from where we grew up, that were in the year, same year, year above or year below us at school, that, yeah, have shared exactly that, where it's like, just to let everybody know, like, my friend Julie's wee boy, who's only three, was playing at the bottom of the road on the corner of the shops, and a man with an Eastern European accent got out and shouted at him to get in luckily he ran home but he's really really safe now and it's like right again how thick are you one why is julie's three-year-old just cutting about the streets on his own it's like i'm off the shop huh? two a three-year-old ran into the house and shouted an eastern european man has threatened me pretty intelligent three-year-old and three sorry a, a man was unable to put your three-year-old in their van. Like, I'm pretty sure if an adult man wanted to abduct a three-year-old, he could just pick them up by the head and chuck them in the back of the van. They're not that heavy. I know. It's just, like, there's loads of that stuff. And and every time I see it, I just actually had to unfriend someone because of it because she was just constantly sharing, like, Britain first shit that was Mm. spread lies about, like, Muslims and immigrants and, oh... You know, things like the, the, the army and things like the how that they they don't get they get treated worse than, than refugees. You know, Matt, oh they've fought in wars and all this and uh, World War Two and they they get they, they get less of a pension than a Muslim like a refugee family that come over and get given a house. I mean, yeah, that does my nut in because as part of my degree I had to uh, refugee detention centre. 
um, that's run by the British government and it was the most horrific, harrowing, disturbing experience of my life. I don't understand how we can treat people that way. So yeah, then to have these absolute fucking tubes on Facebook saying, yeah, like, I don't get me wrong, when people come back from war, yeah, our government is shit to them. And actually, like you said earlier, really the thing is we have to know who to point the finger at. It's the government. Yeah. But they're treated horrendously badly. They're still treated better than, as people say, illegal immigrants, which isn't a thing. Like, no, asylum seekers, detention centre I went to look at, literally had a cage, a cage for asylum seekers, like they're animals. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree that the way that our government treat ex-servicemen and women is absolutely diabolical. However... If there's a group that's treated worse than them, it's asylum seekers. They're not rolling up on our shores and immediately being given a mansion, as some people seem to think. Yeah, roll out the red carpet and everything and give them a, a stand and ovation and, then a, and have a parade for them as they walk them to their mansion while they have butlers feeding them cake. The whole, um, again, like commonly spread thing and talking about the armed forces reminds me of the one that did my nut in this year, especially again, being like a queer person that works in a school. So I had roughly what felt like 10,000 people ask me about it, not just kids, other members of staff, was the whole rainbow poppy thing. So I don't know if our listeners who are out with Britain would know about this, but basically this year, prior to Remembrance Day, a singular person bought a poppy and then glued rhinestones onto it, but in the colours of the gay pride flag, and tried to sell it on their eBay page. There was then a screenshot taken of this, and it was spread all around all social media in Britain that LGBT groups had demanded that the poppy be replaced with this pride poppy, and that all the proceeds had to stop going to help ex-servicemen and women, and had only to help LGBT people. Which... It- <laughs> again, as an insane, entirely fabricated urban myth and was easily debunked. It took me about 25 seconds to research it fully and find out where the original post had come from, how many of these things had been made, where the profits were supposed to be going, and to have just constant, constant people say to me, yeah, but, like, you support these LGBTQ charities, but what do you think about this that they're pushing? Like, it's not a thing these days as well because um, the majority of the sort of um, mainstream journalists are peddling this shit they don't research they don't it's lazy journalism they go on to twitter and they look for like quotes from people that are just sending jokey twi- tweets like for instance classic example is the comedian Limmy. so every time someone dies he always says um he always posts a tweet that says oh it's really sad to um hear about like for instance little richard I once met him at a charity do once. He was really down to earth and very funny. And he says the same thing about everyone. It doesn't matter who it is. That's how you know, that's how I know someone famous has died because he posts that tweet. He's never met them in his life, but he's just taking the piss about what everyone else says. And then it comes up on the news several times. They bring up his tweet. But they just get the joke. I think it goes back to what I was saying at the start of this conversation, that it's the issue with actually researching things. If you work for the BBC and you're going to put something on the news, maybe research it, maybe look into who has posted it and why, rather than just going, well, that must be true, because I'm here. Exactly. It's just, it's just people are too lazy 
and they're too quick to believe what someone um, in the news. So I think the internet is a good thing um, these days for, for people who want to debunk things because in the past they would just look to the news at 10 or the newspapers and that's where they would get all their information from whereas now you can you can go on to sites like Snopes you can do the research you can find out if it's true or not like um like for instance there was a rumor after Michael Jackson died that Jeff Goldblum had fell off a cliff and died <laughs> and initially I thought oh my god but then I was like no hang on a second I'm going to check if that's true <laughs> to go around finding like looking it up on Google and try to see if that was true or not and it turns out it was bullshit obviously <laughs> um, Jeff Goldblum didn't die falling off a cliff I mean I'm glad that Jeff Goldblum isn't dead that, that's good news but the thing is because there's so many of this, this that going about that I start to not trust anything that gets uh, posted I have to second have to second guess it or question it or look for myself if that is true or not so in these sort of times where you know we're in a we're in a devolved nation um in scotland we have our own parliament where we have certain powers and laws that are different from the other countries in the uk wales have their own parliament england i mean it's it, essentially we may as well be independent it's just you're here you know what i mean like especially now when he's so Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, is now saying things like, um, instead of save the NHS, stay at home, save lives, he's saying, what is it, stay alert, uh, control the virus. I don't know what the last one was. Whereas Nicola Sturgeon's like, we weren't even told that he was changing this, that, that these uh, slogans. Um, so fuck you, Boris. I'm <laughs> To quote... <laughs> I'm keeping with what we were originally doing. Is, is we're keeping the slogan the same: "Stay home, save the NHS, save lives." So, again, it's like you you can't trust what your own government are telling you. Oh, well, I trust the government of Scotland over the government of Westminster. I get. I think we've got this issue that, and I'll link a couple of tweets. But I found it very interesting on Twitter of late, as I'm sure you have, that there's all these posts about well, we don't really know what to do because Boris is saying one thing and Nicola's saying the other thing. And it's like, yes, but if you look at why they're saying it, Nicola Sturgeon is saying we're going to do X based on the research of these operated, highly acclaimed scientists. And also, if we look at other countries and reflect on them doing these things, this is what's happened and we prefer if this happened or we want to follow their lead for this reason. And Boris Johnson is fucking ab-sailing with a potato sellotaped onto the side of his face screaming (laughs) I love England waving a flag and then shouting fuck the NHS just keep the virus at bay and people are like I mean who do you listen to like it's not a difficult choice the thing is he's only doing that and because he wants to try and be different from like the first minister of Scotland and the other double nations because she's basically humiliating him because she is being more sensible than he is he, she's a better leader of the country than he's been he's doing so he's just trying to change it so it looks like he's at more control do you know he's changing it yeah. to suit himself <laughs> so he has to be different because he doesn't want he doesn't want people but by doing that it's making scottish independence more obvious i mean yeah it's driving a bigger and bigger wedge between scotland and england and 
I think, again, it goes back to urban, these sort of urban myths and urban legends. Like Boris Johnson spreads his own and people are far too willing to eat them up, even though they're obviously absolute pish. The the fact that a lot of people who are pro-Tory in this country genuinely believe that we're doing a better job at controlling the virus than other countries in Europe, in part because Boris Johnson has said people are looking to us for what to do because we're doing so well. No, we're not. We have the highest death rate in Europe. We're doing abysmally badly, but people are perfectly willing to accept. I've spoken to several people round about where I live, obviously with the distance between us, but you know, when I've been out of walk, I have spoken to people across the road to kind of ask how they are. And the most common thing that I'm getting over the past couple of weeks is, well, at least we all know it will be done in the next few weeks because Boris has said we're doing better than anywhere else. Well, we're not. Boris saying we're doing better than anywhere else doesn't mean we are. We're doing worse than every country but one in the world. Boris yeah, Johnson Boris saying different. He wants to put. He, he takes the pub, the British public for thick mugs by just constantly coming out with these vague catchphrases and sound bites that have no scientific basis whatsoever. And also, there is a bit of a myth about him himself. Is that it, did he actually get the coronavirus? Because I'm beginning to doubt it. I think that's bullshit, and I think he faked it. The way in which his story keeps shifting, yeah. I mean, at first I thought that it was an urban myth the other way with um, people who are more of our political incl- inclination yeah. and kind of saying, well, do you think you had the virus at all? And I thought, I mean, that's a mad thing to say. Why would you not have the virus? <laughs> but yeah, the more he talks about it, the more I'm like, well, did he? Because how it affected him, what he had to do because of it, where he had to go, how he was treated when he was there, how severe it was, changes every time he tells it. So... Yeah, had he just fabricated this entirely himself? So they were reporting when he initially was in hospital that he was, he was, or or uh, Matt Hancock or his Tory lackeys or whatever were um, saying to the media, will tell them that he's up and he's he's doing well, he's in intensive care, but he's actually all right, he's sitting up and he, he's okay. And then afterwards, he was saying he was at death's door. So how could he be sitting up talking and then the next thing he was at death's door? It doesn't make any sense. No. (laughs) There's too many contradictions about it. And that's the thing. If you can't trust your own prime minister, then even if he is telling the truth, it's like the boy who cried wolf, then people won't, like myself, won't believe him. Yeah, I think it applies to both him and Trump again that they both are caught out time and time again talking complete nonsense either because they're too stupid to know what they're talking about in some instances or in other instances because they're just outright lying to cover their own back and yet there's still a huge cohort of people in Britain and a huge cohort of people in America who think that both of them are trustworthy and I cannot for the life of me understand why how can you yeah, like the whole, um, when he put on the side of the bus about how much the NHS is going to get if we leave Europe, which turned out to be complete bollocks. And then he said that that's why people voted for Brexit. I don't think it's as clear as that. I don't think, I think a lot of people just, I do think there's a lot of fit cunts out there that did actually just vote for Brexit because they're ignorant. Um, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of people who just did it to say, oh, fuck, fuck you, Um I'm sick of uh, there's a protest vote, which again is just stupid. They don't really think about the consequences of that. Yeah. A lot on the sort of fundamentalist Christian 
side of things and there's a lot to cover with um, urban myths so what I think would be great Mark is if we could just split this into a two-part podcast about this topic yeah I think that we've got there's so much to talk about when it comes to urban myths that we could probably talk for about 10 episodes so I think splitting it into two does does seem to make some sense so yeah we're, we're kind of going to call it a day for episode one or um, urban myths part one here and then next week we'll pick up with urban myths part two yeah that's fine we'll do that and um, the the part two will be more about sort of like the the, the stupid urban myths the, the classic ones that people know about and um, we're going to talk about that okay well thank you very much it's been enlightening and thanks for listening and tune in to part two yep thanks very much for listening everyone and we'll see you next time okay bye 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 Crystal Man.